listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one Australian weekly trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. Listen to On The Road on the Australian Big Rigs Radio Roadshow and via podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and now also on iHeartRadio. Just search for On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. G'day all and welcome back to On The Road. This week, Simon O'Hara from Road Freight New South Wales joins us to share his views on trucking, COVID tests for drivers, vaccinations and a whole lot more in Simon Says. Later in the show, in something to talk about, Mike and Cam Dumsney get their heads together on the never-ending saga of driver shortages. English comedian Michael McIntyre looks at the funny side of driving in traffic, plus our on-the-road news segment. Add to all of that some great music from the Low Cash Cowboys and Buddy Jewel, and you've got yet another jam-packed episode of On The Road coming your way. So, let's get this show on the road! Yes, get over there! G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. This is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. into the show this week, here's the Low Cash Cowboys with Independent Trucker. Well, my daddy was a world-class trucker. He met my mama on a four-day trip. Hey, she swears to me I was conceived at a big rig dealership. Well, the story goes, the day I was born, he hit the road and he never looked back. Daddy went and made me a big mistake, but my mama always called me Mac. Tear it up a two-lane road. Tear it up, son. 
just a turn of a two-lane road. Simon O'Hara from Road Freight New South Wales joins us. We're going to find out who he is, a little bit about Road Freight New South Wales. We're going to have a chat about what happened at Tarkata. And Simon is going to have a chance to do Simon Says, because Andy told me we have to get together and do this. Simon Says. So we're here to do it. Simon O'Hara, Road Freight New South Wales. How are you, mate? Mike, great to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. That's all right, mate. I'm so happy that you could come on too. A lot of people won't take the dare. <laughs> so who are you, mate, and what's your story? Where are you from? Yeah, so look, I've been at Red Freight New South Wales for about five and a half years now. Came on after Jody Broadbent, who some of your listeners might remember. Came on and our president at the time was John Luff. At that stage, we were still a wholly owned subsidiary of the ATA. Subsequently, we've gone off and done our own thing. We run our own show now, which is great. Of course, we ran our own show previous to being involved with the ATA. Started in about 1893, yep. before combustion engines really hit the road and horses and carts were everywhere. So we've been around a while. Mm. Great people, great job, and I've got a lot of time for the industry. So, yeah, I mean, the COVID stuff's really shown, I think, the pointy end of the industry and the real importance to people. It's a bit like when you say to kids, where does milk come from? And they say the fridges and the supermarkets, <laughs> people kind of know where things come from a bit more now. They understand that there's importance and then there's really importance, yeah. which has been good to be part of because I think if nothing else, your industry's been one that's been taken for granted for a long time. Well, none of this stuff magically appears on the shelves and I think the only thing we don't deliver is the babies and the stork's got the contract locked on that. <laughs> We're not going to get that one anytime soon, nah. but everything else comes by truck, sometimes several different trucks to get the one thing. Mm. So where were you before Road Freight for New South Wales, mate? What did you do there? I worked in aviation. I represented Virgin Australia pilots. I lobbied for them. I negotiated for them. I did a whole range of things for those guys and girls. Before that, I was with doctors. Right, eh? Yeah, so there was a bit of a mix, a bit of colour and movement, all good salt-of-the-earth people. Yeah, but aviation certainly meant that there was a bit going on. I was in there when Qantas shut down and saw Virgin have to pick up the reins a bit and run the ball forward, which was pretty interesting. Yeah. It was certainly a very interesting time to see Virgin sort of blossom under John Borghetti yeah. and move to becoming a full-service airline as opposed to a low-cost carrier, which it had been for some time. So, yeah, that was an exciting time. Yeah, well, doing the fly-in, fly-out thing, I've had a bit of a fly on both airlines now. I like Virgin better, to be honest with you, but anyway. Good choice, good choice. Well, the seats are a little bit bigger, mm. and I might have to pay for a can of beer, or well, you've got to pay for a can of beer on a Qantas plane too, I think, but it's uh, not been a bad experience there, not bad. Road freight for New South Wales, mate, you've been there five years. You're running the show now, though, aren't you? Uh, yeah, along with Austin Vella, who's the current chairman of Road Freight New South Wales. Mm. We've got a great board. It's made up of Habib from Bag Trans and Austin's in there and John Luff. And Ann Lopez has come on board with us as well, which is terrific. And my friend Ann, Ann helped me out with the water run. She did. I remember having a good chat to her about that. Did she? I was there the first water run at about 3 a.m. in the morning with her and her family yeah. as they set out. And then, of course, we did the second water run. Yeah. That mare out there was a piece of work, though, I've got to say, Mike. <laughs> oh, don't start me, mate. I promise not to talk about him. <laughs> well, he had another go the second time round. Did he really? He did. There you go. I took over Ann's, Ann's yard there for about a week and a half, I think. Oh, okay. I had bottles and I had ISO sitting on drop decks and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. 
They're a lovely family, the Lopez's. Mate, I'll tell you what, they were awesome. Mm. Did they show you the caricature that was done? No, they didn't. They didn't. But I was there when they had their 85th anniversary barbecue and they've got these calendars from every year. They make these calendars every year dating back to about 1926, 1928. They had a calendar for every year and they had a pig on a spit and lamb on a spit. It was just beautiful. But no, they didn't show me the caricature. I'll have to ask them. Well, my old mate Paul Zanetti drew it. Oh, did he? Oh, that's not bad. It was donated and I just sort of gave it to them because of all of the people that supported the Caring for Farmers water run, they did the most. Every time I asked them for something, it was never too much. Mm. Without them and people that helped, None of that would have happened. It was just an awesome thing and it just goes to show what you can do if you know the right people and you can get things done. It was brilliant. And to have her with you at Road Freight New South Wales must be pretty good. She's a very organised lady, lovely lady. I like her a lot. Yes, so do I. And we love the family. They're really terrific. And I can remember when we went out for the second water run and we'd made some deliveries and I was standing having a beer with one of the farmers and he was a hard-bitten bloke, you know, not a bloke prone to emotion. And he was crying. And his wife sort of looked over at him and he was just overcome with gratitude that somebody gave enough of a shit for his life and what he did to come out and provide some water for him and his family. Yeah, well, Lee Smart was a real prime mover in the in the whole thing. He was. And unfortunately, I was unavailable to go out on the second time, so mm. I would have loved to have been there. It would have been good. Moving on, road freight for New South Wales. Now, what are you doing, mate? What's the plan? You had that big thing down at Tarkata with the shelter there, mm. the driver standing there in the rain, mate. I am in the process of doing some work with James Graham from Big Rigs, and we're talking about a few things. Oh, yeah. And that was real leadership from you, I thought. I was very impressed, and it's actually one of the main reasons why I wanted to get you on to talk to you to, A, say that, mate, you're right. Say it again, Mike. Say it again. You're right. Absolutely <laughs> right. Simon O'Hara is right. How was that? That sounds great. You said that you were going to do it, said it needed to be done. You got the put up or shut up moment and you put up and it happened. And mate, round of applause from me and I'm sure all the guys there that are no longer standing in the rain. So how did that all come to pass, mate? What happened there? Look, that's a good question. I was really struck with some of the reports back that I got from not just the drivers, but some of their wives. I was struck by what was going on when Senator Stirl and I had conversations about this. And look, hats off to Senator Stirl. He has fronted up and given it a red hot go and we've worked collaboratively together and that's been terrific. Mm. A lot of respect for Senator Stirl. The issue, as I saw it, was when I got initial reports, which I won't go into, about what was actually going on. Mm. And so there was a range of things that were going on, and it really pricked my attention. I just thought, this isn't good enough. And I made some calls, mm. and I told people in government the way it was being run wasn't good enough, what I was hearing wasn't good enough, the photos that I was seeing wasn't good enough. I made it clear to government and others that this wasn't the way we should roll. It's not what we should expect. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but this isn't our first radio. Yeah, 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 100%. I mean, we went through COVID 1.0 and then we went through the northern beaches. We saw what happened in the rest of the world. We knew what could happen if it came again. So it's not like this should have caught us as a surprise. And so from my perspective, there was a degree of ambivalence that I had about that because this was eminently foreseeable. And if something's foreseeable, then you can do something about it. Yep. Absolutely. And so when I saw those blokes standing out there in the freezing rain, waiting for hours, I just thought, 
that's not good enough. So I called it and look, we stand by that. Yeah, we don't want to see blokes or women standing in the rain. <laughs> Drivers, yeah. Freezing while they wait for a test so they can get back in their cab and drive another lot of hours so they can then wait again at a border mm. and then get questioned about tests and all the rest of it. Mm, mm. That's not what we want to see. What we want to see is decency and respect to be the hallmark of the way in which we treat our truckies and operators. And if it's good enough for others to be treated well enough, then it's good enough for our guys and girls to be treated well enough also. Well, we've got the whole thing there happening now with people being denied access to toilets and showers. It's hard enough to get a feed anyway on the road. The toilet costs 25 bucks a week if you get a portaloo in, if they're so worried. The cleaner doesn't cost much, let me tell you. Particularly for some of these larger companies, it's crumbs, it's change for some of these large companies. And to be honest with you, a cleaner doesn't cost that much. But if you're worried about the air or about anything like that, get a portaloo in and get a cleaner to clean that each day. Yeah. I mean, that's what, 25 bucks a day for one portaloo? Well, I think it's a basic necessity, really. It's a basic human right, Mike. Betting can... Guys are sitting in the trucks. They've got nowhere to go. I could just wonder what happens if someone had to go and he just basically decided he was going to urinate in the yard. I just wonder what the consequences of that would be. It'd be public indecency then, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, it's bloody humiliating. and It's humiliating in any respect. Of course it is. To have to go and beg to go to the toilet. It's just bullshit in my opinion. It, look, it, look, it absolutely is. And we came out strong the first time with the NHVR and the like. Mm. We've come out strong again because we don't want to see this sort of practice go on. It's not good enough. Yeah. If it's good enough for our guys and girls to make the delivery to your place, to keep your business operating, then it's good enough for them to come in and use the loo and for you to show a bit of basic human decency towards somebody else who's not in a position of sitting at a desk or sitting at home or doing any of that stuff. They've put themselves on the line. They're making that delivery to you and to your business. Maybe you might want to think about that. I've heard on the trucking grapevine that the Wyong Service Centres northbound and southbound, the uh, restaurants have closed down there. Have you heard about that? No, no, I haven't. I haven't seen that. The Caltex Twin Servos, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, that's in your line of country. Yeah. I had heard it just before the show went out on Friday and Andy edited in a little bit of late breaking news there that that was happening. I mean, they were never fantastic anyway. They were always... You wouldn't call them first rate, but I mean, you could go in there and you could get a sit-down meal and it was generally prepared reasonably well, mm. better than Maccas and stuff. I tell you what, it's getting hard to get decent food on the road, particularly you know, restaurants closing down, you get left with Maccas. I mean, mm. we talk about all the health issues that truck drivers have, you know, obesity, cardiac issues, sleep apnea and all the rest of it. Yeah. And it costs you 20 bucks to buy a salad or mm. the healthy food options aren't really there and it's getting worse, mate. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, days of a Coke and a meat pot, they're fine, but you also want some choice, and sometimes you do want to have something vaguely healthy. I mean, you don't want to be drinking or eating the same thing all the time, or at least I don't. I like a meat pie and a Coke as much as the next bloke, but I also don't mind a bit of salad sometimes either because, uh, you know, I'm not getting any younger. Well, that's right. You can't do a meat pie and Coke every day, can you? Mm. We'll be back right after this. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. 
NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. Mate, Simon says, this is your chance, mate. Mm. What have you got to say? Hit me, whatever you like. Simon says. Look, I think some of the developments that have come out from the federal government are a step in the right direction for vaccination of truckies Mm. and priority vaccination. But I think we've seen today the Queenslanders have come out and said, yeah, there's a priority for truckies and freight workers. I think the New South Wales government needs to look at that and make some moves. I know supply is an issue, but we're seeing some... I'm not going to name names here, but you're seeing some freight and some cold storage and all the rest of it. There's some problems in there from time to time. I'd hate to see a situation where you saw a number of these fall over, but for a couple of people being vaccinated. Do you know what I mean? Oh, look, I do, but I'm a freedom of choice guy, Simon. I don't think you should have to have a vaccine if you don't want to. And the other point that I would make to you, I mean, we're both intelligent people. Mm. I don't want to get into the whole anti-vax argument with you because there isn't one. Mm. But it's not a vaccination in the traditional sense or in the way most people understand it. It's a gene therapy. Mm. Well, that's my education on it. Whether I'm right or wrong, I'm happy to be corrected. Mm. But I think that there's a place for a choice not to have it. I mean, you don't have to have any other vaccination that I'm aware of. You don't have to have a flu shot every year. So I'm not going to ask you for Road Freight New South Wales position on it because I didn't want to do that to you. We're talking off the lip. I don't want to put you in that spot. Mm. But the fact of the matter is that we do have to have positions. I'm not saying don't have a vaccination by any stretch of the imagination if you choose to. Mm. That's up to you. But I think there should also be the choice not to have it if you don't want to. Look, I've got some pretty firm views, which I suspect you've got some pretty firm views around this as well. (laughs) And I'm part of an old style grouping where my view is that even though I can disagree with you, Mm. I think we can still disagree and and not knock each other out over the fact that we disagree with each other. 100%, 100%. I think part of that is what's missing in a lot of the culture wars and the debates that go on now, that there's not enough respect on both sides. Oh, yes. And I think that's a real issue, both on the left and the right. But putting that aside, in terms of vaccines, the freight industry should be prioritised for vaccines. It's a no-brainer that your supply chain are essential to a modern functioning society. You can't have that at risk in any shape or form. I 100% agree with your sentiment, and I've got no problem with freight workers being fast-tracked to have it if that's what they want to do. Mm. It's a matter of constitutional law that you can't be forced to have a medical treatment in this country. That's a reality. That's law. My fear is that someone is going to say, well, if you don't have a vaccination, you can't come to work or you can't come in here. You can't do this. You can't do that. When we don't make that distinction for any other communicable disease. I mean, you can have AIDS, you can have hepatitis, Mm. you can have all of these things. No one's interested in any of that. Mm. My fear is that we are rushing headlong into a situation where people are going to be excluded based on whether they're vaccinated or not for a particular thing. And I think that that's fundamentally wrong. It's anti-libertarian to me. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think the Prime Minister's come out uh, on Friday and made his views known, which is that it's freedom of choice. That's what he's expressly stated. But he's also said that there's freedom and the freedom works both ways. There's freedom not to have it. But there's also freedom for employers to compel employees to have the jab. Yep. And you would have seen on Friday, I think it was, that SPC has become the first Australian employer to mandate vaccination for COVID-19 of its employees. Yep. Effectively coming down to the point that you've raised there about no jab, no work which I think is going to be something that you're going to see more of. Mm. I can see that America, they're going to make some decisions, particularly given Texas and Florida's skyrocketing rate of deaths as a result of not in the case that we've got, which is a lack of supply, but more a issue of people just not wanting to get the jab. Mm. So you might see some mandatory rules, provisions, laws come in there potentially. I know Biden's looking at the military and the public sector. But it's a good question and it's one that's going to run its course, I'd suggest, over the course of 2021 and 2022. Mm. I think you'll probably see. And I think the union movement's come out and left the freedom of choice there as well. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mike. Well, I don't know where the union sits, mate. The union and I have a fairly fickle relationship. I've tried to talk to Michael Kane a few times and he, he really doesn't want to take a phone call from me because I'm going to ask him why truck drivers being sitting in DC is not being paid to sit there. Mm. is a thing that's been allowed to go on for years. Mm. And I'm going to ask him that question. He knows it, so he won't take the call. Mm. Yeah, well, look, we've got a good relationship with Michael and the rest of them, or at least we try to have a good relationship with everybody here in New South Wales because we are a through state. And we try to ensure that we've got a relationship with just about everybody that's worthwhile and decent. But from our perspective, what we want to do firstly, and our primary role here is that we get freight working as effectively as possible during COVID. Yeah. And part of that is ensuring that we've got vaccination in place, that we've got dignity and respect in place, that we're not fatiguing guys and girls out of their brain with work, mm. and that supermarkets remain open and all of that, yeah. that stuff operates. From my perspective, the ports also form a part of this type of conversation. You're seeing the cost of containers from China to America explode. You're seeing a whole lot of really interesting and, frankly, a bit worrying stuff going on with the global supply chain. And so from my perspective, I think that freight, logistics, the supply chain need to be prioritised in this mix. Mm. And that's what I've always been about, that the work that's done here is of absolute importance. I mean, you've got the healthcare professionals, you've got the doctors, you've got the nurses, you've got all of those guys and girls doing their job in hospitals and saving people that have COVID and doing all of that sort of thing. But without the back end, without freight moving the vaccines, I mean, we've got DHL that brings over the vaccines to us each week. Mm. You see their aircraft come in, or at least I do, I see it come in comes in, it makes the delivery look a, a lot of times through the Singapore Airlines, comes in, it drops off those freezers, and then it uses its trucks to get those deliveries out to where they need to go. Mm. And the same with the PPE, the same with the food. And I think now's the time to grasp the nettle for the freight industry. Now's the time to show that we shouldn't be taken for granted. Because without us, regardless of a lot of other industries, without us, everything stops. And I mean everything. Like the diamonds say on the front of the trucks, without us, the thing does stop. That's exactly right. And I mean, the problem is that it's been out there for a while and people have taken it for granted. But during COVID, the industry has really shone. It has really shone. It's really shown its strength, I think, during this time. 
it's shown that not only can it get the job done, but it can exceed expectations. And I think that's what Freight's done. Yeah, no, we've done a great job, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so profoundly disappointed to see things like what happened to Tarkata happen until it got corrected. Mm. And I'm disappointed to see some of the roadhouses that we've favoured with our trade for years denying guys access to basic facilities and meals It's with all the knee-jerk reaction. Also, I think part of that is brought about by the fact that the communication of what's expected is probably not as good as it could be. Mm. And some people take steps to protect themselves as much as they think is necessary rather than what they think really has to happen. And the guidance for some of the people on the ground has been a little bit lacking, I think. How do you mean? Well, sites, for example, fuel stations, for example, without proper guidance from their head officers about what they should be providing or what the cleaning requirements should be and the fact that it is safe mm. for you know someone to go to the bathroom where they simply have decided, well, if we don't let someone do it, it's not a problem, we don't have to deal with it. You, you know what I'm saying there? Yeah, I know. And look, I've raised some of this with our partners. So BP, I reached out to immediately and said, hey, look, here's an issue. I'm not going to be backing down on it. Can you have a look? Mm. And they said, yep, no problems. And they came back to me and said, look, we clean regularly. Yep. So if that's not the case, I'd love to hear it because we'll fix it. Yeah. Caltex and the rest of them don't know. Mm. Don't know, but Senator Stirl and I have been out there and I've been calling some of these companies, yep. like, for instance, that Andrews meet out at Minto or Minnow, mm. if you will. Minnow, yeah, out at Minnow. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's just not good enough, though. So I called them and left a long message. They didn't call me back. Mm. I'll call them again and have a chat to hopefully somebody senior and pass on the views. And that's what I've been doing. I've been preferring to pick up the phone, have a conversation. And then if that leads nowhere, then I'm happy to use social media. But my first approach has always been to have a fair income, decent conversation with somebody about the issue. Some of these companies fit into the supply chain for some of the majors. Mm. Maybe it's time from time to time that the majors sort of step in and go, hey, look, I've seen this and that's not good enough. Think about your choices yeah. because we will. Well, they are. And I've basically said that I'm not going back to the BP at Balatter and Ring. Well, I'm in the Western Australia now, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, right. But uh, if I'm ever running up and down the Newell, I won't be stopping at the BP Bladder. Fair enough. But anyway, mate, it's been great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. No, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure, Mike. And since you now have my number, if Simon wants to say something, all Simon's got to do is ring me up. <laughs> Simon says. Well, Simon says he'll give you a call. I'd appreciate it, mate. Thank you very much for your time. No worries, Mike. And you too. Keep safe. We're talking to Simon O'Hara. He's the CEO of Road Freight New South Wales. Pretty interesting guy. I didn't realise that he was admitted as a solicitor to the High Court of Australia. So he's a man with some experience and some ideas and got a lot of time for him. He speaks a lot of sense. So I hope you got something out of it. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcast every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime, take care of you. 
you need signage or graphics for your truck, trailer, van, boat, equipment or business, the Sticker Shed is the fast and cost-efficient large-format digital print and vinyl cut graphic business that can meet all your needs. They specialise in signs, graphics, decals, stickers, banners, one-way window signage and even large-scale canvas prints. Don't be fooled by the name, the Sticker Shed has a fully mobile production facility, which means they can manufacture your signage or graphics on the spot. Even if they're not in your area, they can still custom make your signs, stickers and graphics and ship them to you. For more information or to obtain a quote, send an email to brett at thestickershed.com.au, visit the Sticker Shed Facebook page or call Brett on 0412 105 151. The Sticker Shed, their business is making your business look great. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, g'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. This is Caroline Taylor Knight, and you're listening to On the Road with Mark and Andy on the Big Rig Road Show. Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Top of the evening, Mike. Top of the evening to you, Andy. How are you, mate? Doing all right, mate. Mike and I were just having a little bit of a chat off air before we came on. Mike was telling me about having to call out a diesel fitter to do some work on a job on his truck. Mm. And it just reminded me of the story, Mike, of the guy that was out of work and he saw an ad in the paper for a worker in a fashion shop. So he went in and yep. applied for the job and the boss said, well, what sort of work have you done? And he said, well, I'm a diesel fitter. And she said, well, how on earth is that going to apply to this? And he said, well, when they go in the dressing room, you know, I can hand things over the top and go, well, diesel fitter and diesel fitter and diesel fitter. I wasn't going to do a joke tonight, but you just prompted me when you said that. However, what I would like to say, Mike, as you know, I'm a fairly private person and I keep my family life pretty much to myself. You do, mate, you do. But I wanted to share a little story. We spoke with you earlier in the week, a few days ago, to let you know that my dad had slipped into a non-responsive state. Yes. And the doctors were telling us to prepare to say our goodbyes, which was very difficult. Mm. Around about 36 hours later, he woke up and he told everyone he was starving and where's my breakfast? But the most exciting part of it, folks, is today our family gathered together to celebrate his 100th birthday with him. Wow. And all I wanted to say, Aaron, I don't want to get too soppy about this, but families are precious. We all know that. And so is the time we have with them. Take the time. Make the time to tell the people you love just how much they mean to you. 100%. 100%. Anyway. I'm pleased to hear that he's going along better anyway, mate. It was a bit sad back when we were talking about it. 
it was desperately sad, mate. But although very tired, he was just embarrassed at all the fuss that was being made over him and grinning from ear to ear the whole time, which was wonderful. Yeah, it's great. Anyway, on with the news. On with the news. We're seeing more truck-only pop-up COVID testing sites opening up every week, but there needs to be more operating 24-7 and able to deliver their results faster. That's right. A lot of guys are having a lot of trouble. And I've had a couple of phone calls from people who have been turned around at the Queensland border mm. and head back to Moree. The story in bigrigs.com.au is there for people to read. There's a lot of comments from a lot of different drivers. I don't want to go through all of it because we could be here all night talking about this, really not wanting to go on too much about the COVID. But we've got a three-day testing cycle now in some places. People can't even get the results in three days sometimes. Yep. If you don't have the results, you can't cross the border. It's just a continuing cluster thing. <laughs> you know, all bleeped up. <laughs> You'd think that after 18 months of doing this, they'd have it sorted by now. They clearly don't. Yeah. One thing that really annoys me, I suppose, guy's gone to the Toowoomba Hospital for a test. He's a truck driver. Yeah. And they don't want to test him there. Go to Charlton, they say. So he can't go in his truck because if he does, he's burning hours. Yep. He drives to Charlton, gets there, produces his heavy vehicle license, 3.45 in the afternoon, two or three trucks here on a road train, but they're closed Yeah. at 3.45 in the afternoon. Yeah. Bloody ridiculous, mate. They want truck drivers to comply then they need to provide the infrastructure to let them comply or simplify it. One test, one permit across Australia, end of story. Yes, indeed. It's a good story in Big Rigs. Go in and have a look on the webpage. It's a good read. Yep. Now, Mike, we've spoken about this issue before, but in the latest news through, the TWU has now headed to the New South Wales Supreme Court to sue Toll for breaching its contracted payment terms with owner-drivers to the tune of $52 million. Small change. Petty cash. (laughs) Tell you what, when you consider the amount of power companies like Toll wield in the industry, I don't think it's an unfair thing to say that they think that they can just do as they please. Mm. And this is an object lesson to them that they can't. It also comes along with the story that 7,000 Toll employees are about to begin voting on whether to go on strike over Toll's proposed enterprise bargaining agreement, mm. which we discussed the other day. Yep. And the case is going to be heard in early September. They could see Toll pay up to $10,000 each for 5,187 late payments. The union's alleged it's made to almost 250 owner-drivers. Now, I don't know what the hell's going on at Toll. Obviously, there's been a lot going on there, people shifting chairs and all that sort of thing. I think that owner-drivers, they're running a small business. They've often got the house on the line, the family's depending on them. They work bloody hard. They do the work they deserve to get paid. Mm. I really don't understand why, in this day of electronic funds transfer, you can't be paid virtually the same day you produce your proof of delivery documents. I really don't understand why that can't happen. They've certainly got no trouble taking money out of you if they want to. Mm. Perhaps they should start to pay. So Toll recently reported a jump in revenue during the pandemic, $6.3 billion. That's a billion with a B, Mm -hmm. up from $4.7 billion in 2020. I think they can afford to do the right thing. Absolutely. Now, mate, drivers that are used to using this route won't be surprised by the following news, but the Prince's Highway and other roads along the Limestone Coast are falling into disrepair where large potholes have become a major problem. Yes, mate, 
I've driven down that way from time to time, and I can tell you now, the roads down there have never been fantastic. The thing I find most interesting about this is that obviously our vehicles have to be roadworthy, but our roads don't have to be vehicle-worthy, do they? Yeah, that's right. You just have a bit of a look what's going on there. Wattle Range Mayor Des Knoll says some of the roads are in very bad way, particularly the Princess Highway from Millicent to Mount Gambier and Mile Hill Road. The road network is in extremely poor condition, he said, due to lack of maintenance over a number of years. Well, that's a surprise to no one that drives down there all the time. It's like it right across the country, though. Yep. We pay our fuel excise, we pay our registration fees, we think that it's all going to go into road maintenance, but it doesn't. It ends up in consolidated revenue in the states, and they spend it on whatever they see fit. In Victoria, that's apparently to pay for roads not to be built, mm. and to pay for billion-dollar overruns on cross-city tunnels. I really don't understand what's going on. I think my spaniel could probably manage the roads better than some transport road managers in some of the states. I really do. Yeah. Just get him to sniff on the bit that needs to be fixed. Yeah. There's an important thing that people do need to know. There are a couple of apps out there, I believe, that allow you to report road infrastructure problems. You can take a photo of it and it takes a GPS location and where you are and it sends it to the right council. And I'm sure old Crokey, if he's listening, he'll be sitting there shouting at me because he told me about it. Yeah. The other thing is, of course, that there are phone numbers that you can ring to report issues with roads. Just keep reporting these problems until they do something. Get your mates that run the same bit of road to report the damage as well. But do it civilly. Yep. Ring the council up and ask who you need to speak to to report road pavement damage. But be civil. Remember, the person on the phone didn't fix the road, didn't build the road, they're the ones that are taking your message. If you make a civil and reasonable complaint, and several of you do it, then they will realise it's an issue. Mm. And that's the best we can do. Indeed it is. Now, call me a cynic, Mike, but mm. it just seems to me we'll get some heavy rain, we'll end up with some damage, mm. there'll be potholes everywhere. So out they come for about the next two weeks. Most of the time there's signs up slowing us down to 40k and there's no one there doing anything. Yeah. And then finally the potholes get filled in and we're good for a couple of weeks till it rains again <laughs> and then out they come again in the same places. Yep. It's a Band-Aid solution, is it, that we're doing with these things? Well, it is a Band-Aid solution, I suppose. The roads, I don't think, sometimes are built as well as they could be built. They're built to a price, there's no doubt about that, mm. without even trying to sound amusing. We probably shouldn't put names up naming roads after people or anything. We should put the name of the contractor that built the damn thing there. It's <laughs> a good thought. But, I mean, look at the Appian Way going into Rome. Mm. <laughs> How long ago was that built? <laughs> Not that long. Still in use. <laughs> the Princess Highway around the Mount Gambia? Yep. <laughs> Barely well, usable. I tell you what, as big an issue as it is for truckies driving along and seeing these potholes, Feel for us motorcyclists when you head down and you see something that's about twice as deep as the height of your bike yeah. <laughs> coming up in front of you. That puts the fear of God in you. That's when you discover oh. that adrenaline's coloured brown. <laughs> it's true. I shouldn't laugh, but it's absolutely true. Yeah. Now, Mike, in the past week, police attached to Northwest Highway Patrol, along with Transport New South Wales heavy vehicle inspectors, hmm. have intercepted nearly 300 trucks on the Newell Highway in Moree, focusing on compliance issues. Yeah, isn't it wonderful? Mm. Just when you've got everything else that you need to deal with, out come the police to do a little bit of a blitz. Now, I am not saying that they shouldn't be enforcing the law. Well, some people are saying that the police shouldn't be enforcing chain of responsibility style laws like fatigue and things like that. That's the way it is in WA, isn't it? 
That's right. You don't see a policeman unless you uh, break a traffic law. Mm. They never ask for your logbook. Mm. I don't really want to get into that discussion right now. We can do it down the track. Yep. But the likes of Rod Hannafy are calling for the police to be taken out of the equation as far as enforcing those fatigue laws and things like that. Now, we have a look at what they did. They pulled up 295 trucks on the Newell Highway at Moree. And Operation Convoy ran from August 2nd to the 5th, focused on compliance with fatigue management, driver impairment, compliance with vehicle standards, as well as compliance with the public health order. Mm. So they racked up 200 offences, seven speeding fines, 47 fatigue breaches, nine vehicle standards offences, five load breaches, four dimension breaches, and 101 diary offences, plus 22 other offences. There's a big photo there of a fella who's getting quite a large bill, I'd say, mm. from the State Revenue Office in New South Wales. Yeah. Now, pleasingly, no public health order offences were detected. Good. You know, that's a pleasing thing, isn't it? Mm. But uh, Operation Convoy is going to continue in undisclosed locations across the state. So look out. They'll be out there looking for you. The thing that I find most disturbing about this is that there's so much going on at the moment with respect to the COVID and all these other things that we've got to do. And once again, the police are there doing the job that they're told to do and they don't make the rules, they get to enforce the law. That's as simple as that. Yeah. But vehicle standards offences, dimension breaches, I don't know what we're talking about. There's no details. 47 fatigue breaches, well, no details once again. Perhaps they should be down the limestone coast measuring potholes for over length. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, possibly. A bit of sarcasm there from me. I'm sorry, mate. Your tongue was so far in your cheek, you were licking your ear then. I was, mate. It tasted good too. Yeah. We're getting shafted with a blunt stick again. It's just not fair. Yeah. Finally, Mike Grain Growers has partnered with the NHVR to host free workshops aimed at helping farmers better understand the chain of responsibility in regard to farmers' legal responsibilities. They have partnered with the National Heavy Vehicle Regulator, as you say, and they're going to have these little classes for the farmers to let them know what their responsibilities are under the law with respect to transport and road use and things like that. There are only limited places to do this, so if you're a farmer or know a farmer and feel that they could benefit, go to the story, bigrigs.com.au. There is a link at the bottom. Click here, and that will take them to where they can book and get some information about the chain of responsibility regulations as they apply to them. Mm. Ties in quite well with our comedy segment this week, Mike. Does it? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, that's that, mate. The only other one, really, that we could talk about just briefly... Okay. ...was written three days ago, so it's not really breaking news. <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> There's a bit... A truckie breaks up a road rage fight on a Melbourne bridge. Yeah. Not really breaking news. <laughs> At the Malacca car park. <laughs> Trucky grabbed one of the drivers by the collar and holds him up against the back of a parked Mazda Ute. Get in your car, he said, yelling. Get in your car. Trucky then loosens his grip on the pin driver and pushes him back towards his blue Subaru parked nearby. In your car, he orders before getting back into the truck, clearing the busy road for other motorists. He's a hero. Yeah. He broke up a road rage incident. Looks like it's on the, from the picture, it looks like it's on the Westgate Bridge. Yeah. But they were into it. <laughs> a couple of safety vests, a bit of fluoro, a few blows being thrown. Wonderful. Bit of entertainment for the onlookers. What more do you want? Melbourne's got it all, mate. <laughs> Melbourne's got it all. Well, Mike, my thoughts for the week. Mm. If at first you don't succeed, skydiving is probably not going to be your thing. <laughs> You'll get one go. <laughs> <laughs>
And secondly, and far more importantly, there are only two ways to win an argument with a woman, and neither one works. Okay. <laughs> when mine tells me I'm right, mm. I just remain silent and don't move. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> My favourite saying is, nothing good can come from me responding to that. No, no, that's right. You can't. But then the smart thing to do is walk away having said that, and I, I rarely do. <laughs> I always thought you were a smart man, mate. Don't disillusion me. Yeah, I said it either. I have my doubts now. Anyway, mate, you have a good one. I will, mate. I'm going to go back to driving the biggest PBS road train combination in the world. Lucky you. I'll tell you what, mate. They're a thing and a half. There's a lot of truck in the mirrors, let me tell you. I'll bet. I'm loving it. I'm going to try and take some more pictures. But anyway, yeah, it's great. Yeah, please do. Well, stay safe, mate. I will. You too. Take care of yourself. Say good day to your dad for me. Will do, mate. All right. Cop you later. Bye. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. Just a quick word about our sponsors. Go to our webpage, www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au and you can see who the friends of the show are. And if their products are something that you're interested in or something that you may need, please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you. Here's evergreen British comedian Michael McIntyre taking a look at the funny side of driving and traffic. Traffic is a nightmare, ladies and gentlemen, if you're in it. But when you're not in it, and you can see it, it's rather entertaining, isn't it? <laughs> when you're on the motorway and you have no traffic on your side, you're weaving in and out of lanes. <laughs> I'm loving my side. And then people aren't moving on the other side. You'd like to think that maybe you feel sorry for them, but you don't. <laughs> Nobody's moved for about five miles now. Something must have happened. Something terrible must have happened. Look, it's going all the way down there. It's the worst I've ever seen. Something must have happened. Did you see anything happen? I haven't seen anything happen, but something must have happened. You actually hope it lasts your entire journey. <laughs> and then finally, regrettably, you reach the end of the traffic and you see people joining at the back and I look at them. They have no idea. <laughs> Even for miles, you see people driving at like 80 miles an hour. Enjoy that while it lasts. It won't last. <laughs> If you packed an overnight bag and then you're in traffic, there's nothing worse than when you're in traffic. When you're in traffic on the motorway and you sit there in traffic because you might be there forever. You have no idea. You have like 80 miles to go. We're not moving. And there will always come a time when man will get out of the car. <laughs> this is the cutoff point when man goes, I'm going to take a look and he will get out of the car on the motorway. <laughs> in the history of getting out of the car, no man has ever seen anything. <laughs> you just get back into the car, slam the door. Do you see anything? No. <laughs> You know what winds me up? Farm traffic. Tractors should not be on the road, okay? They are designed for fields. Look at them with their huge big wheels and they bounce around in the country on the roads going five miles an hour right in your face, normally adjacent to a field. You have the wheels to drive on the field. Go in there, let me get on with my life. When you're ploughing, I don't drive in front of you at half a mile an hour. There's nothing more... You have to sit behind the tractor and wait 
to go into the other lane, the death lane, all right? Where there are cars coming in the opposite direction. <laughs> Nobody ever wants to be driving into oncoming traffic. And you just sit there with the tractor bouncing around. He's loving it. You can see he's bouncing around. Go on, make your move. <laughs> Go on, make your... This thing actually does 70 mile an hour. Just f***ing it, you urban bastard. <laughs> and you, put, you wait for the straight. You don't mess around with the bends or the hills. Wait for the straight, and then you have a little look, look, a little look. And then you edge back in because you realise death is coming. I can't, we're going to die. <laughs> but the pressure builds. You know you have to do it. Because other people will start queuing behind you. Traffic will form. And you can see men in your rearview mirror just staring at you. Make your move, my friend. <laughs> We're all depending on you. You could have gone at the last straight. You pussied out. We all saw it embarrassing. <laughs> and you keep saying, look, I'm trying, but I don't want to die. <laughs> and then after a period of time, not the car behind you, or even the car behind the car behind you, or even the car behind the car behind the car behind you, but some asshole <laughs> right at the back. Nobody's even seen this guy yet. He's normally in some kind of black BMW X5. <laughs> He'll come out and take all of you. <laughs> and nobody can believe it's happening. Everyone in the queue are like, we're being raped of our masculinity. <laughs> How could this happen? Sometimes they realize they've messed up and they try to get back in later in the tournament. <laughs> and we don't let them. <laughs> You've made your decision. Accept your fate. <laughs> phoning radio stations to warn of traffic jams. Who's doing that? Do we trust these people? <laughs> now you've got people calling up with their own little updates. We just had a call from Barry. He says it's Chock-a-Block on the North Circular at Wembley. <laughs> Thanks for your call, Barry. If anybody else has any travel news, call our travel hotline. <laughs> Who the f*** is Barry? <laughs> Who in their right mind gets stuck in traffic and just goes, quick, get me the phone! I must warn the others! <laughs> Hello, is that the radio? It's Barry. <laughs> it's too late for me. <laughs> Save as many as you can. Please hurry, I'm running out of battery! Hey, this is Ben Tilney from Street Pieces, and you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy. I was having a bit of a look at bigrigsnews.com.au website and I came across a thing here that they put up a couple of days ago. My good mate James Graham wrote this and he's talking about how old mate Cam Dunstan's finally got the answer from the Minister for Employment, Stuart Robert, over here in the West, that trucking's been removed from the priority skilled immigration list. Now, this is something to talk about. There is a bit of a shortage. I applied for four jobs over here and got four jobs, mate. A bit short of drivers. What's the story, Cam? Oh, look, this one dumbfounded me. So, you know as well, you're over here now. Like, you apply for four jobs and you'll probably get eight jobs. <laughs> People are screaming. It's just truck drivers and that. Anyway, so we wrote off to Deputy Prime Minister McCormack at the time and said, hey, listen, you know, we've got to get stuck getting truck drivers in because the East running out of drivers as well. It's not just here. Anyway, it sort of must have done the circuit, and I got this thing back from Minister Roberts, said, you know, thanks very much. He was on the skills list. We weren't a priority. And he said, oh, no, well, you need to prove basically to this National Skills Commission that we're short of truck drivers. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? 
Oh, it's diabolical. Uh, We've got no solution. I mean, it's bloody hard to even get the time to train people these days. Uh, Some people haven't got the resources to do it. And the licensing system's just a joke. It's a sick joke. I've been talking about it forever. I know you have too. Yeah. Don't make the mistake of starting Rod Hennifey on it. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon there's no greater criticism of any licensing system. Mm. If they give me a truck license, then you know the system's buggered. Oh, no. We're <laughs> stuffed now, mate. <laughs> but look, it's the whole topic. You talk about it for hours. But on the skills list, it, this is what it says. Mm. There is no shortage of truck drivers. Mm. There is no shortage of delivery drivers. There is no shortage of tanker drivers. There's no shortage of furniture removalists, right? Yet it says that future demand is strong. Yes. Now, I've got, well, you're up in the Pilbara at the moment. Have a look at how many quads are parked up because we can't get drivers. Yeah, we've got some issues with people being on the wrong side of borders at the moment, though, as well, which isn't really helping. Yeah, it doesn't help. But, you know, I was talking to Michelle Harwood down in Tassie. Look, they're short of drivers down there. Yeah. You know, Rob Kavanagh over in New South there around Tamworth, livestock. I don't know how many trucks he's got parked up because he can't get drivers. Yeah. Like, the problem is everyone just thinks Lionel, but every time you start building a new road, you need truck drivers. That's one right. to drive the water tank, you know, one to pull the fill in. That Bunbury Outer Ring Road that they're building, there is 40 trucks a day doing eight loads a day just to bring the fill in for three years. That's one road project. Like, you know, you go on, we build houses. Well, you need trucks in there to clear the land. You need trucks to bring in the bricks. You need trucks to bring in the, you know, whatever else it is that you, you need to build a house. Some old now, I've forgotten what it's like. But there's just trucks everywhere. People online, they want to buy stuff. Well, there's more local delivery trucks. It's hard to work out, isn't it? Oh, it's mind-blowing. As far as I know, mate, there's no database or stats or anything like that to provide an answer to the feds. It's like they chose the question knowing that they couldn't get an answer. Yeah. You and I both reckon there's at least a 1,000 drivers short just in WA. Yeah. I mean, they've got to come from somewhere, mate. What do you reckon? Well, I don't know where we're going to get them from. In WA, you know, we're 4% unemployment, I think that's it. We're short of aged care workers. We're short of baristas. We're short of people in construction, mining. Ag sector can't find people. It's fine to say we're going to train them up when we're trying to do that, but you've got to have people to train. And they're not there. We're going to bump a harvest. Well, they're talking about a bump a harvest. I don't know if the rain continues with it, I'll be the case. But where are we going to get the truck drivers for that? Hmm. Well, I spent a month carting flexi down around the wheat belt down there when I first got over here. Yeah. And I was amazed at how much of the land was sown in and how good the crop was looking at the start. Oh. And every farmer that you spoke to said that there was plenty of moisture in the ground and they were looking to have a cracking year. Yeah. I think they're throwing around figures or something like that. 20 million tonne. I think our best up to date's only 17 million. They're big numbers, and you need the truck drivers to do it. Yeah, well, it's a challenge. Company that I'm working for is offering 60 bucks an hour for fly in, fly out, drive in, drive out down at Geraldton. Yeah. We're getting good money up here in Port Hedland as well. Yeah. I mean, that's just the company I work for, mate. They're paying bonuses. You want to come and do a job for a couple of months, mate? You can make me three grand. All right, look, I'll tell you what, it'd make to be the biggest pay rise I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I also take the view that it's probably safe of the whole world that if I stay out of a truck. Yeah, well, I've heard stories about that, mate. I've got no doubt that's yeah, true. Yeah, I'll, few... <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you a few over a few beers one day. But having said that, it's good to see drivers making good money. That's fantastic. 
But, you know, we've got to sustain this. We need more drivers. And the question is, where do we get them from? And even mechanics, mate. I've got four companies alone that are 100 mechanics short at the moment. And that's got road safety issues if we can't keep the mechanics up. Yeah, well, I think a heavy vehicle mechanic import headline fly-in, fly-out's getting 50 bucks an hour, I think. Yeah, I think you're finally getting better than that. But, yeah, I haven't grown up with my dad, you know, four years, five years old, which is a service and livestock trucks until midnight. I think he would have dreamed of getting sort of that sort of money. It would have been good. It's all good. All right, well, that's something for us to talk about anyway, Cam. I hope the listeners have got into it and yeah. it fires up a little bit of discussion. Yep. And look, I think so. And look, if anyone's listening on the East Coast and if you want to move up market and you want to move to WA, it's like the dream location. Wouldn't you agree? I would, mate. I'm quite happy with the decision so far. <laughs> I hate to say it, but life is a little bit more normal over here. <laughs> Just a lot. Yeah, I'll be flying through your way late next week too. I'm going to do a racing trip back up to Kununurra and deal with a few issues up there. So I might drop in and say hi. Oh, well, I'll be down in Perth anyway shortly. Well, so I'll wait for the go. <laughs> Thanks, Cam. Take care. Okay, then. Thanks. Easing us out of this week's show, it's a song about growing up with just one thing on your mind and in your heart. Here's Buddy Jewel with Diesel Destiny. our show for this week thanks for coming along for the ride on the road is proudly brought to you by nti australia's leading transport and logistics insurer be sure to join us again next week when mike says yeah 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 no I'm... this is just getting worse isn't it and he says it's easy for you to say and our guest says oh my gosh until we catch up with you again next week play nice with each other and most of all stay safe out there bye for now the team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. When Billy's friends went off to college, 
Billy went to work for his dad. Together they soon went from one trophy to 20 in nothing flat. Billy sits in the VP office with that little Tonka truck on his shelf. And if one of his drivers calls in sick, he'll take the run out himself. Out there on the highway where he can breathe, he's got a diesel destiny. 